Hi there, and welcome to episode 12 of the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's six years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I'm living life my way. Today, Ron joins me. Hey, Mary. Hi, Ron. So, I'm looking forward to today's episode mm-hmm. because I'm going to do a little bit of learning. Yeah, I think it's quite fascinating. What are we learning about? We are going to learn about one of the three types of Down syndrome called, and this one is called translocation Down syndrome. And this one sort of is an, I don't, I don't like to use the term odd, but this is one of those generic assumptions that people made or people knew about Down syndrome where it couldn't be inherited, mm-hmm. but translocation teaches us different that's correct and jenna explains it i think really well what translocation down syndrome is okay well let's have jenna educate us awesome hi there and welcome to the t21 mom podcast i'm joined today by my friend jenna who i met at the retreat and we're talking via facebook messenger so hopefully she doesn't sound too far away welcome jenna Thank you. Welcome, Jenna. <laughs> and that's Ron. He's joined us too. So he might pop in once in a while. Just to ask a question or two. <laughs> and Jenna is here today to talk about something that I think is actually pretty fascinating. She has a son, obviously, with Down syndrome. His name is Kingston. And he actually has a different type of Down syndrome. It's called translocation Down syndrome. So, Jenna, why don't you? Tell us a little bit about your family and we'll talk more about Kingston. Okay. So my family and myself, obviously, and then I'm married to my husband, Josh. Mm -hmm. We've been married for just over nine years. Mm -hmm. And before we were married, I had a son from a previous relationship. That's Caden. Mm -hmm. And Caden will turn 16 this year. So he just finished his freshman year, ninth grade year of high school (laughs) and will be 10th grade next year. So I can't believe I have a high schooler. (laughs) And then together, Josh and I have our son, Cannon, who mm-hmm. is eight, almost eight, and then Kingston. And Kingston is our youngest. He's the one that has Down syndrome. And he just turned four in June. A little fornado, as you said earlier. Yep, he is absolutely. <laughs> we went from a three-nager to a fornado. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and three boys. I grew up three with boys. three brothers, so... I can kind of understand what your life is I'm like. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why I was so glad that I had a girl. I was really open for a girl. Yeah. So I did get one in, in Ainsley. So as I've mentioned in some of the, one of the previous episodes is that there are actually three types of Down syndrome. The most common, which is what Ainsley has, is the, it's called non-disjunction. Mm-hmm. I can barely say it. Where at conception, a pair of the 21st chromosomes, they fail to separate and... As in Ainsley's case, she has an extra copy of the 21st chromosome in every cell in her body, so which is about 90% of people with Down syndrome, right. so the most common form. And then there's mosaic, which I also think is quite fascinating too, mosaic Down syndrome, where it's not every cell has an extra copy of the 21st chromosome. And then the third kind is called translocation. And I've also heard of Robertsonian translocation. I don't know. Is that, mm-hmm. is that what the type that Kingston has or it is technically Robertsonian translocation. I am not 
entirely sure what the different all the different types of translocations are but mm-hmm. yes what we have is considered robertsonian translocation yeah and it's it's not that common it's about i think i've read about four to five percent of people with down syndrome have translocation is that about yeah. right yeah okay. i've even heard yeah around three three to five percent so okay. it's not it's not very common yeah I, yeah i'm sure like because then we'll talk more about it like mm-hmm. about like how he got how he inherited I guess that yeah um, his form of down syndrome so are you because I've read on it and it's kind of a little bit complicated but are you able to sort of explain what translocation down syndrome is sure so translocation can occur what they say spontaneously so it's not always inherited mm-hmm. in fact we've always been told that down syndrome was not something that could be inherited it just happened or it didn't Mm -hmm. and i say that in part because i had an aunt my mom's sister aunt Dee was her name Mm -hmm. she had down syndrome and so in our you know family as i'm having children in different things and doing research on all these different genetic things we've always been told that down syndrome was not something that could be inherited so with a translocation it can it can happen spontaneously where neither parent is what we call a carrier mm-hmm. and it just happens the way that it occurs is basically a piece of if you, if you have your chromosomes mm-hmm. right and there's how many 23 altogether yeah what happens is a piece of a chromosome essentially breaks off if you picture these little arms and legs mm-hmm. essentially an arm an arm of one piece would break off and attach itself to another chromosome And that is, so it it translocates to a different area within the body, basically, or within these cells. Mm -hmm. That can happen spontaneously, or in our case, it is actually something that can be inherited. (laughs) And so the, the cases of translocation that are genetic, inherited, passed down, is only about 1%. Oh, really? So it's even, yeah, so it's even more rare than just a a spontaneous translocation oh I did not know that I actually thought it was the other way around interesting yeah okay no so it's it's uh the inherited translocation is even more uncommon than than a a spontaneous Spontaneous. translocation yep so so with us we have it's a Robertsonian translocation 1421 so that means that a piece of, so if, I, if I'm talking about me as the parent, mm-hmm. when you look at my chromosomes, rather than having 46, like a, a typical person would, if you mm-hmm. look at my chromosomes, I actually look like I have 45. And a piece of my 21 is stuck on my 14. So <sighs> when you do the the karyotype, it looks yeah. like I only have a single 21 chromosome because my other 21 is attached to my 14. Oh, I see. Um, Oh, that is, wow. That is so interesting that you only have 45 chromosomes. I only have 45. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a 45er. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's, that's very cool. I had read about that and I go, whoa, I didn't know that. And I loved how you just explained it. It makes so much sense how, yeah. Yeah, the textbooks don't do a great job. (laughs) Well, that's why we have you here. (laughs) So with Kingston, when we look at his chromosomes under a karyotype, Mm -hmm. he looks like a 46er, actually. He looks like he has 46 chromosomes because he looks like he has two 21 chromosomes, two of the number 21, Mm -hmm. but his his third 21 is attached to his 14. 
oh, because that came from you. Is that yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Ah, okay. I see. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That's so interesting. Like I love, I've always been interested in genetics and things like that. So that's very interesting. Yeah. So, and so I'm assuming then that you had a birth diagnosis. Is that right? We did. Yep. So we did not, we've never chosen to do any kind of genetic screening mm -hmm. prior to any of our kids being born. Just not something that we ever needed to pursue or wanted mm -hmm. to pursue because even if we had had a, a prenatal diagnosis, it would not have made a difference for us about carrying forth with the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So we just, we never chose to pursue that. Now, ironically, we did do I, I do kind of take that back because we did do testing to see if I was a carrier of cystic fibrosis oh. because when my, when my, when my sister had her daughter, she came back as a potential carrier for CF for cystic fibrosis. And so they highly suggested testing mm -hmm. for that to see if, if that was a possibility, because again, Down syndrome is not uh, hereditary. So we right. didn't need to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> So we, um, so I did, I, I do take that back. We did actually have screening to determine if I was a carrier of CF, which I was not <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So fast forward to the end of the pregnancy and Kingston's born mm -hmm. and he, when he was born, as I was kind of uh, telling you a little bit ago, they, when he was born, they placed him on my chest and I had, when I looked at him, I had this this notion that he looked like my aunt. He looked like aunt Dee, Dee who had down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I quickly, I quickly shoved that thought aside thinking, no, you know, everything's come back. All his scans, ultrasound scans had t been totally normal. No signs of any soft markers or anything like that. And mm -hmm. so, and we, and we even had had a couple extra scans done because the first, the first time that we did the anatomy scan, they actually could not pick up his heart very well. Oh. He was moving around too much for them to take all the measurements they needed to. Okay. And so they just said, well, we'll just have you come back when he's, you know, hopefully quiet, you know, a little bit more quiet and not moving around so much. And, and so we had an extra screening and again, nothing came back as mm -hmm. any kind of a soft marker for DS. So when he was born, I thought I, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to freak my husband out. Of course. Yeah. And right. <laughs> and I just thought if that doesn't need to come from me, that needs to come from a doctor or a nurse or, you know, somebody in this room of all of the people in here are going to say something, right. right? If, if he has down syndrome or something else is going on and nobody said anything, nobody said anything. He was having a little bit of a hard time breathing at first. They thought maybe he just inhaled some fluids or something. And so they kind of talked about taking him to the NICU and just watched him for a little bit in the room, maybe 20 minutes or so, and then decided, nope, he was fine and didn't need to go. His you know, respiration was up and everything was great. Wrapped him up in a blanket, here you go. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, okay. You know, I just, I'm just imagining things. And he was born, he was born really fast. And mm -hmm. so his, his face was all bruised up. Aww. And I mean, you know, ba babies are not pretty when they're born anyway. They so, up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought, well, I just, you know, just my, my imagination. And then, so we, we kept going to, um, 
we actually had more doctor's appointments with our normal family doctor mm -hmm. than normal because he was pretty slow to gain weight. He wasn't latching very great for nursing, mm -hmm. but I had never, I had never really pursued breastfeeding my oldest two boys either. And so, but I really wanted to nurse him because yeah. I did. And so we started seeing a lactation consultant and we we were going in for additional weight checks and all kinds of things. So we were in the doctor multiple times those first three <laughs> weeks that he was, you know, after birth. And no one has said anything to Nobody you. Nobody has said anything. Nope. Not the family doctor, not the, you know, nurse practitioner, not the physician's assistant, and now not the lactation consultant. Mm -hmm. Although the lactation consultant did ask if he was a preemie. Okay. And kind of went through asking, you know, well, his skin was kind of mottled, meaning he had kind of those mm -hmm. lines, like when you get really cold and you see these kind of bluish lines on your skin. So his skin was kind of mottled and his ears were kind of floppy and some different things that she just, she kept asking, are you sure he, you know, was, I was like, I guarantee you woman, this child was full term. <laughs> I carried him <laughs> for 40 weeks. You like, he was literally born three days before his due date. He was full term. Wow. And Anyway, so so now at three weeks, we are referred to a different pediatrician for his circumcision mm -hmm. because we had him circumcised. And we walk into that office. The doctor comes in, and we've never met him before. He's brand new to us, um, but our family doctor didn't do circumcision, so we had to be referred elsewhere. So he comes in, and he's greeting us. And one of the questions he asks me in this like pre pre-circumcision appointment is, have you gotten blood work back on any diagnosis? And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And thinking, you know, when a baby's born, they take blood work on, you mm -hmm. know, lots of different things. They do the little toe poke and all these things. And I'm just like, I diagnosis for what? And he realizes that you don't know at this point that nobody has talked to us. And oh. so he quickly bless his heart. He was, did this in the most amazing way I could have ever thought for anybody to do quick, quickly backpedals and says, has anybody, has anybody talked to you about the possibility of your, of him having down syndrome? And I said, no, but as soon as, as I'm saying, no, I'm going in my head, I'm thinking, oh, he does. I knew it. I knew it when he was born. I, you know, I had seen it. And all of a sudden now as the doctor's showing me certain characteristics that he mm -hmm. sees, the eyes, the way that they look, the, in, on his hand, he has the single palmer, palmer crease, crease on, on one hand, but not the other, mm -hmm. his tone, low muscle tone. But he must have had pretty decent tone for a child did. with Down syndrome, which, because I he think did. that's a... Just everything I hear is that that's a pretty common uh, characteristic. Like, you know, because like you said, babies aren't always pretty when they come out and they're all squished up anyways. And you can't always necessarily tell just from the facial features. But right. I've heard that the tone is a pretty big, big indicator. So he must have he must have decent tone. I'm, I'm he guessing. does. He actually does. Um, I mean, he does have a lower tone than mm -hmm. my typical kiddos do. But for a child with DS, he actually has really, really good tone. He is not your typical like baby with down syndrome that we would call like a floppy baby. Yeah. He is not, he was never a floppy baby, floppier, but not floppy. If that and makes so sense. during up to this point, like, did you ever go back to that time when you thought he kind of looks like aunt Didi? Like did, did it ever cross your mind that maybe he does have down syndrome or was that sort of 
kind of out of your mind at that point. You're kind of overwhelmed at that point because you've yeah, got two other was, kids. I mean, yeah. Exactly. We were, we were in like newborn survival mode and I'm trying to, you know, breastfeed for the first time and up all night. Mm-hmm. And although it was really funny because I, I say up all night, but really it was, he did not, he did not wake up to nurse at night. And that yeah. was a big he, he slept through the night, like literally the first night, which totally <laughs> freaked me out. Yeah. Absolutely freaked me out. And so I kept setting an alarm to go in and try and nurse him because I needed to nurse. Yeah. And so if I, if he wouldn't wake up to feed, I was at least pumping and he, and, and you know, one doctor said, well, just, you know, if he's sleeping, that's just let him sleep. He's tired. <laughs> and then this doctor was like, no, we need to try and wake him up. And have him nurse because he needs the nutrition Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons he's not gaining weight and um anyway so when we when we did get the diagnosis um, or had the blood work actually done and this doctor called us back to tell us the results was it the same doctor that kind of told you about his suspicions or was it your regular family doctor oh it was it was both so we actually kind of had two diagnoses and I know in the down syndrome community especially when the babies are young we talk a lot about the diagnosis Mm -hmm. you know how did you how did you receive yours well we've received it twice the doctor who did which was a it was a male doctor um Dr. Brian who did the the really the diagnosis called me and Mm -hmm. let me know that the karyotype was in and that it did confirm that Kingston had Down syndrome. He referred us to a local DS organization. He gave me as much information as he could, assured me that this was going to be okay, that he would support us in any way, let us know that the prognosis for kids with Down syndrome is fantastic now with all of the medical advancements that we have. And his main concern really at this point was getting Kingston's heart checked. Mm-hmm, and so he did a referral. Yeah. Yep. So he did a referral to a, a cardiologist mm-hmm. to have the heart checked because we really hadn't had anything on our radar up to this point. Mm-hmm. And the main concern there was obviously, I'm sure you've talked about that uh, kids with Down syndrome have about a 40 to 60% chance of having a heart condition. That's right. So that was kind of priority number one. Turns out Kingston's heart is fine. Awesome. He did not need any further follow-up with cardiology after that point. Got all the green lights. So the this same doctor, Dr. Brian, called us back that night to check in to make sure that I had had a chance to tell my husband to see how he was taking it, to see if we had thought of any other questions throughout the day. And again, just let us know that if we had any questions to give him a call. Wow. And again, this guy, this guy is not even our, our regular doctor at this point. He is now. (laughs) I bet. What a, that's such an awesome, like diagnosis story because you don't, you don't hear that very often, you know, and my doctor was, it was just, well, it was, I got it over the phone from a genetics counselor and I've talked about that in a previous episode, but you know, and my OB was pretty neutral during my pregnancy, which was fine, but I'm so happy to hear that it was a positive, you know, and, and, you know, Kingston was three, four weeks old at that point. So, you know, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. So sorry. And so you guys obviously had a, he called you to see how things were going Mm -hmm. and how, how was it? You know, it was, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was definitely hard. Mm. It was, it was probably harder waiting those two weeks or so to get the karyotype Mm -hmm. to, get the confirmation even though in my heart I knew my husband really needed 
that that actual diagnosis yeah. for the karyotype to say for sure before he could really move forward in his in wrapping his head around it. It was it was hard. My husband really struggled, mm-hmm. and we we had just come out of um, kind of a really rocky time in our in our marriage. And Kingston was kind of supposed to be this baby that almost was like making everything right. Like we're moving forward with our family. And then we got this, this punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it was somewhat devastating. And yet I had such fond memories of my aunt because I knew her when I was younger. She passed away when I was in about sixth grade. Mm -hmm. But I remember her coming to visit us and my mom and dad having her over to, you know, stay with us for a while. She lived in California and we live in Washington state, but she would come visit. And I just had these really fond memories of her and who she was that to me, it wasn't, it wasn't scary. It was more Mm -hmm. scary trying to figure out his health, you know, navigating his health those early months and all these things that could be wrong. And then figuring out that, nope, that's okay, that's okay, that all these things kept checking out. I also feel like it was really good for us to have had, for us to have had about three or four weeks yeah. with Kingston to really get to know just him without mm-hmm. this diagnosis, this clouding of a diagnosis, mm-hmm. yeah, hanging over who he is. And I think in hindsight, that's really what helped my husband mm-hmm. move forward is because we were able to say, look, this is... This is the same baby that was, you know, that I carried for nine months. Mm-hmm. This is the same baby that we've had in our house for four weeks. This baby has not changed. The information that we know about him has, but this baby has not changed. Yeah. And that really just, and he's, he's the sweetest kiddo. Um, mm-hmm. Now he and my husband are absolutely like the best little buds. Yeah. He's he's the biggest sports fan Kingston is and awesome. so is my husband. Yeah. And so they just they find this camaraderie in just sitting down and watching sports and cheering together and my husband now probably couldn't ask for a, a better little sports buddy. Oh, so it's just it's so wonderful. sweet to see how, you know, he's kind of so-called come around <laughs> in Aww. his I think yeah, in his thoughts takes, about it. Of course, yeah, and it takes people time. So you said you had two diagnoses. So Yes. So then, okay, so this second doctor, yes. <laughs> I guess. The, so our, yeah, our family doctor, original family doctor. So they actually called me the following day. Okay. The day after we, the Got first doctor called, Dr. Right. Brian called. They called us the next day and it wasn't even the doctor. It was her nurse practitioner. Oh, geez. Okay. Who called. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> who called and said, well, it came back positive. He does have Down syndrome and we should probably follow up on some things. Do you have any questions? And I was like, yeah, I don't, but we're going to be switching doctors. So if you could <laughs> start transferring our records, that'd be great. That was basically, I was, I was so done with them. Yeah. I couldn't believe how the whole, I, we did, I, I take that back because we did go back there for one more weight check. And at that weight check, because I had to know, like, how, did you just not notice? Are you not qualified as a doctor? Did you choose not to talk to me about it? I had to know why. Mm-hmm. They didn't ever say anything. And so we, we went, when we went back for the weight check, the final weight check there, I asked her, you know, did you, why did you not say anything to me? And she said, oh, I thought, I thought somebody at the hospital had. And I said, you can tell in the records that they didn't. And we've never, we've never talked about Down syndrome. Why would we not talk about Down syndrome? Is that's a significant part of his health information. Mm-hmm. And she said, 
well, in your, in your notes, it says that you refused testing for it. And I said, well, yeah, I refused prenatal testing, not but post. not, <laughs> but not post. Yeah. Like nobody talked to us about post testing for, you know, to see if he had down syndrome and she was, was just like, Oh, I, okay. I'm sorry, I guess. So do you I, think I guess she I just knew? missed it. I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. Wow. Would we, we continued to see the same lactation consultant because mm -hmm. he was still struggling with nursing. Mm -hmm. And now it all made sense because babies with mm -hmm. down syndrome have low muscle tone and mm -hmm. have a hard time latching on because they can't use their mouth muscles very well. Usually. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when we went back to see the lactation consultant and I walked in and I said, he has down syndrome. That's <laughs> why he's having trouble. And she goes, Oh, I'm so happy that, you know, she knew the whole time. She knew the whole time. Wow. But as a, as she a can't nurse, say anything. she can't say anything. <gasps> she had, she had an older sister who had down syndrome who oh. lived to be about 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And so she just had the biggest heart for Kingston. <laughs> and uh... It was just amazing. Once, once she knew that we knew and we could talk about it. Oh my gosh. She just, and, and not that she treated him any differently, mm -hmm. but it was just, it was, you could just see this light that she had for him Aww. that was just so sweet and just wanting to make sure that he was getting the best care that he could. And he was my only child that ended up nursing and we nursed until he was over 18 months old. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, and it was, yeah, oh, it was amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, Ainsley could only do it a little bit. She had a lot of trouble and it turns out I found out from the dentist that she had a huge lip tie which I'm sure uh, impeded but nobody absolutely. you know yeah like we had all these uh experts you know we had a lactation consultant all these doctors and specialists when she was born and nobody looked at her mouth so I never and isn't that yeah you know kind because of they just assume you. down syndrome means you can't nurse yes. or you know yeah. it's that's that's too bad because you never you I'm sure you wonder what could have happened mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they had diagnosed that earlier yeah totally but you know it is it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> yeah so how did you find out that he had actually had translocation down syndrome so with knowing the the health history now of that he has Down syndrome, and I had an aunt with Down syndrome, the doctor suggested that I be tested to see if I'm a carrier because it turns out that – and actually when his karyotype came back, it, it did come back that he had translocation Down syndrome. And so that is what prompted me to get tested then right. because they said, okay, the type that he has, translocation, is the only kind that can be hereditary. And you have an aunt who had Down syndrome. And on top of that, we knew that my mom had had several miscarriages, like four or five. Mm -hmm. And that is all pretty indicative of that there's something genetic going on, that there's probably a family history. And so I got tested and indeed found out that I am the carrier for the translocation. Mm -hmm. My mom has not been tested, but we assume that she is also a carrier because... I have it. Well, right. she would have to be because I have it. But is it, but you can, dads can be the carriers too, can they not? Dads can be the carrier too. Yep. If a dad is the carrier, my understanding is that it is a less likely chance for him to have a child with Down syndrome specifically. Now, I don't know how a translocation would affect other syndromes because there are other 
syndromes that can result from having different types of translocations. Of course. But for Down syndrome specifically, if a dad is a carrier of like the 1421 like I am, it's a less likely chance for him to pass that on. It would be more likely for him to have a child, I think, with a trans with also just a a being a carrier of the translocation, but not necessarily affected by it. So, so do any of your have any of your siblings been tested? Like you said, your sister was tested for CF. Mm-hmm. Is it because she has a child with CF? No, she doesn't. But when she with with her insurance that she had, they actually would pay for any type of genetic testing. Oh, I see. And so when they did some of the screening stuff, she she just opted to do it because her insurance was going to pay for it. And right. so why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that way she would just know going forward. And so there, but yeah, there was no history otherwise that would, uh, you know, prompt us to research, you know, anything else um, mm-hmm. other than she just said, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. But from what I understand, she still does not know if she's a carrier of the translocation because that was not part of the, she didn't have a karyotype or anything like that done. It was just other types of screenings that they did. So she still does not know if she is a carrier of the, of the 1421 translocation. Okay. I think that she may be tested later on if, if she decides to have more kids, mm-hmm. but I don't know that she plans to at this point. My brother, because I have a brother as well, he also has not been tested, and I don't believe he ever plans to. Him and his wife have five kids, <laughs> all, you know, nobody nobody with Down syndrome. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know that he, he plans to be tested either. And again, even if he was tested, for him, it's a far less likely chance. And mm-hmm. um, his wife has told me that they are done. So, <laughs> so yeah, with five She's like, kids. like, we have five. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> they need to but talk okay, to Kelsey. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And what about your the, kids? Like exactly. Your, so your two older sons, mm-hmm. like, would you uh, get them have, tested or would you think that's up to them to make that decision? That's a, we have decided that's up to them. Okay. If they, now my, my older son, you know, because he is almost 16, mm-hmm. if he were to ask us to do it now, I believe that he's of the age to be able to consent to something like that and mm-hmm. having that information going forward even from a young age, although I've suggested to him that he wait until he's in a relationship with somebody or married and that it may be better for them to decide together because that would affect their family planning more than maybe it affects just him. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but that that's kind of what I've suggested to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't I mean, he's a boy, so yeah. he doesn't really I, I'm sure that's not really on his radar He's young. Yeah. Yeah. He's young. So, you know, baseball is a priority and, <laughs> and baby planning is not. So of course, <laughs> and that's yeah, a we, good we thing. Chosen, yeah. True. <laughs> we have chosen not to have the boys tested at this point because mm-hmm. it's their medical information that, that they need, I think really to be in control of whether they want to have that knowledge or not. And I don't feel like it's fair for me as a parent to make the decision to, have that information for them Mm -hmm. right now especially when it's something so so um involved with who i think their future you know their future spouses will be yeah of course and so and what's your chance of because you've also had you've had a couple of losses since Mm -hmm. kingston right since kingston yeah and what are your chances of having another 
rockin' kiddo? Yeah. They told us initially with the translocation that my chance of having another kiddo with Down syndrome would be about 10%. Normally, they say it's like one a 1% yes, chance, right? If you have so, non-disjunction, which no, is what right, Ainsley has. Right. And obviously, maternal age pay, plays a factor, but generally speaking yeah that's everything i've read it's always been one percent and so and sorry and you've had some losses since kingston correct since kingston yep so we so we have decided to continue to try to have more kids Mm -hmm. because down syndrome is not scary to us Mm -hmm. um and we talked you know would we we would need to really be okay with the idea of having another child with Down syndrome because mm-hmm. that is a very real possibility for us. Yeah. And I and I've hit the magic thirty five now. So <laughs> maternal maternal age being an old mom, I guess, is now a factor for me. <laughs> and so our, our chances increase, not only because of the translocation, but because of maternal mm-hmm. age as well now. And so we've talked about whether, you know, we, we obviously would have to be okay with having another child with Down syndrome, and we are. And so we have continued to try to grow our family. After Kingston, I had no miscarriages that I know of prior to prior to Kingston. So you had no, no, no idea? Like, no. Like, yeah. Yeah. No idea. So since Kingston, we had two very early losses, mm-hmm. both right about six weeks. So it was like, we just found out, we just got excited, and then... And then we had a loss mm-hmm. that happened twice. And then our last, our last baby was born uh, last July. Actually, he was born at 19 weeks gestation. Wow. Yeah. And so he, we actually were going in for the anatomy scan appointment at 19 weeks, you know, between about 19, 20 weeks, mm-hmm. went in for the anatomy scan to determine, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And then for us, it was also, and is it down syndrome or not? You know, cause it was kind of this like fun, you know, is it a boy or a girl? Does he have, you know, does it have down syndrome or no mm-hmm. down syndrome? Cause, <laughs> cause you can usually tell by anatomy yeah. mm-hmm. markers. And so now we're obviously looking for that much more closely. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when when we went in for the anatomy scan at 19 weeks, the baby's heart had stopped beating, and oh, um, yeah, so that was that was that was devastating. I mean, to to say I know people say that when we you know you get a Down syndrome diagnosis that that seems devastating. I guarantee you, and <laughs> that is not devastating. But but having that seeing that heart not beating oh, was oh. just. So we, um, we, with, we named him Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jeremy was born, we chose not to actually do any blood work to determine if he had Down syndrome. But the doctor that, that delivered him said, you know, with, with your history your, and your medical information that mm-hmm. we have, with the fact that we believe his heart was fine up to a point and then it, it obviously stopped, and some other things that they did think they saw soft markers Mm -hmm. when they were, when they finished doing the anatomy scan. Um, he said, we do believe that he had down syndrome and, and probably was affected by a heart condition that, that just ended up, you know, he, that he passed away. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. That's, I, and I didn't realize that it was that close to the retreat. So 
It was. Yeah. yeah. So I was planning on being, he was due, Jeremy was due in December. Mm -hmm. Actually, so my oldest son, his birthday is December 11th and Jeremy was due on December 12th. <laughs> so yeah. they were, they, their birthdays were supposed to be very close to each other. So yeah, mm -hmm. I was supposed to be about seven months pregnant or so going to the retreat and obviously lost and delivered him a few months prior to the retreat. That's so difficult. And I have read that before on some various Down syndrome forums about one woman, she lost her, her baby with the diagnosis of Down syndrome. I think it was a little bit later in the pregnancy. Like, I think mm -hmm. it was pretty close to term. And she said, you think you're grieving the law, grieving the diagnosis, but I know real grief. And so I can, yep. I understand what you're saying. Obviously can't, um, I haven't had that experience, but I understand right. what you're saying that that's a definite grief that you're feeling at the loss of that child and mm -hmm. and and I think it's so fabulous that your husband came around and you guys are okay with the possibility yeah. of having another rocking yeah. kiddo and because you know as I always say down syndrome it's 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 not the death sentence that I thought it was going to be it's not scary right and right. you guys are proving that and yet you know I and I want to be careful too somewhat because I as I say that you know the idea of like you you don't know what grief is until you've lost a child well there's still that's not to downplay the grief that moms do feel or dads do feel you know when they do get a diagnosis mm -hmm. and I and I know you know neither of us is saying that it's because there is a real grief that goes with you know even when we had Kingston we had this three four week old perfect mm -hmm. little baby mm -hmm. And yet something changed. And so we did, even with Kingston, we had to grieve the loss of the child that we thought we had. Mm -hmm. And even though he was still right there, we had to grieve yeah. the loss of this, of the dreams, certain dreams that we had or expectations for him in certain ways that we thought our family was going to be. We had to grieve that and, and kind of put that to rest before we could embrace this new this new normal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in hindsight, this new normal is absolutely perfect. It's the way it should be. And it's, it's just, it is amazing that how not scary Down syndrome is once you, you know, once you're in the middle of it. Yes. It, to, you know, to be able to go back and tell myself, like, what were you afraid yeah. of? What were you, you know, so many of us say that I know, like, mm -hmm. you know, if I could go back and tell myself, don't be afraid, don't be, you know, you'll, you'll get past this. It's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's the headline. Not, not to say that the grieving is not important because I think it is. You are truly grieving the loss of a child you thought you were having. Yes, I, I agree. And I, I remember in a, a previous episode, I kept thinking I had all these grandiose plans for Ainsley and yeah, but you know what? as I'm sure the same with you and your husband, you still have those plans. They might look a little bit different, but I yep. still have all those same plans that I have for Ainsley. And I'm sure you have yep. all those same plans that you have for Kingston and your other two boys. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's such a fascinating topic and I so appreciate you coming on Jenna and sharing your story and, and, you know, because it's, it is different. I don't, think a lot of people you know even understand what translocation down syndrome is like have you met any others like did you meet any at the retreat at all at, at the retreat I don't know now we do have um there's different translocation groups mm -hmm. on Facebook yeah and 
I, I, I will be honest, some of them I have been more a part of and others, especially ones that were broader translocation groups. Mm-hmm. So not just Down syndrome, not just, you know, affecting the 21st chromosome, but translocations that affect a lot of different things. I, I ended up I ended up leaving some of those groups. They were very helpful for me at first and mm-hmm. kind of coming to terms and understanding what what this translocation meant. Mm-hmm. But after after the losses that I've had, I, I needed for myself, I chose to leave a couple of those groups because those moms go through so many losses. And oh, it's it's almost yeah. it's almost normal to them to <gasps> lose a, and I you know, in a sense, not that it's a good thing, but it's Mm-hmm. They almost expect it whenever one of them gets pregnant. They almost expect it to lose the baby because oh, wow. it is so common because of all these different genetic conditions. Mm-hmm. And so for my own personal <laughs> happy bubble, I had to, I, I needed to mm-hmm. make the choice to leave those groups. So no, you have to do what's best yeah. for you and yeah. for your family. And I'm just kind of curious, like translocation syndrome or sorry, translocation down syndrome and just regular non-disjunction mm-hmm. trisomy 21. Are there any real differences? Like, do you know what I mean? Like is, I don't know how. Yeah, like medically or. Or just, you know, developmentally. Like, I mean, yeah. I know every kid's different, but, you know, are things going to present differently in a child like Kingston as opposed to Ainsley, for example? Or do you know? They I, I have heard not uh, in the sense of, yeah, I, I, I don't believe so. We keep being told like, you know, Down syndrome is Down syndrome is Down syndrome. Okay. And it's, you know, your your child is just as unique as any other child mm-hmm. um, in this world, any other person in this world. So no, my understanding is that it being translocation versus non-disjunction um, and even somewhat versus mosaicism does not really affect their development or anything like that. I know with mosaicism, I know it can a little bit because mm-hmm. it affects different cells. Yes. But for Kingston, the translocation of having still three copies of 21 is in all of his cells. That's true. And okay. so yeah. all of his cells are truly affected. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, have been told by doctors and in my own studies have found that they say that there really is no developmental difference between the typical down between, syndrome, right. <laughs> the typical down syndrome. And in your case, the translocation. Yep. Oh, interesting. Yep. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And like, it's, it's really fascinating. And I, and I hope listeners out there that they have found it interesting as well and and perhaps there's some out there who also have a child with uh, the translocation now you also have a blog so that if people want to find you and learn a little bit more about you and kingston they can mm-hmm. go to your blog it's i have it here as exit 43 the number 43 so exit 43 life dot home dot blog is that yes. correct Good. Yep. So yeah, if you just do a Google search for exit 43 life, mm-hmm. um, we have a Facebook page. And so and that's probably the easiest way to find it even just doing a search on Facebook for exit 43 life. Okay. And then there's a link from Facebook to get to the blog. And it's, you know, I talk a lot about the early information about finding out Kingston's diagnosis mm-hmm. and therapies that he's gone through. And 
I, I will be honest, I haven't blogged a whole lot since the loss of Jeremy. I've started to kind of write about that, mm-hmm. but that's that's been within this last year. Um, yeah. And that's been that's been hard to write about. And so of I've course. just chosen again, you know, to kind of take a little bit of a break from posting as as often. But there is still a lot of fun stuff on there about, you know, especially from when Kingston was first born. So. Okay, fabulous. Well, thanks again, Jenna. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you and Kelsey and all the other fabulous women at the retreat. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Well, Mary, once again, I learned a huge, huge amount. And I'm not anywhere close to being familiar with the whole genetic thing, but that was knock your socks off information. I know I find it pretty fascinating and I loved how Jenna explained it. I think she explained it really well and very clearly. So it's somewhat easy to understand because I I think it's still kind of complex. But as I said, I find it so fascinating. And as we learned, and I mean, Kingston is only four and she was told that Down syndrome couldn't be inherited. And that's a huge misnomer. Yeah, that's that's like that's one of those like you hear that and you go now wait a minute (laughs) this is totally opposite to what we've been told basically all our lives but jenna and kingston proved them wrong wow and this can be detected through a blood test yes you have to do a karyotype which looks at the chromosomes so that's what they did for both jenna to see that she was a carrier and also for kingston and that's how they they discovered that jenna was likely a carrier because they discovered that he had the translocation. And as she said, they suggested that she get tested. Right. And that's how she discovered that she was the carrier. Right. And and the whole chromosome pairing thing that she was talking about, like, was it 45 connected to 14? Well, no, she, we have 46 chromosomes, but in Kingston's case, they translocated between the 21st and the 14th, which 20, is a okay. fairly common translocation, but there are other translocations. But Jenna... Being a carrier, she actually only has 45 chromosomes. And again, that just I know blows me away. I know, it's amazing, huh? Wow. So again, another episode where we're left with our jaws sitting on the floor because <laughs> we found so much new information. And uh, our next episode is going to be... We are going to talk to the one and only Jen Jacob. She's the executive director of the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, the DSDN for short, which we have talked about a lot on various episodes. And we're going to talk to her all about the DSDN and also about the retreat, which I am so looking forward to. The Rockin' Retreat. The Rockin' Mums Retreat. (laughs) (laughs) Nashville, here we come. And we have a very special show coming up in a couple of weeks. We do. Looking forward to talking to Brian Donovan, actor, producer, director... All around Hollywood, good guy. Yes. Very motivational speaker. And what are we going to talk to him about? Well, he was at the Rock and Mums retreat last year and he talked, he was one of the key speakers and he talked about his relationship with his sister Kelly and what an amazing relationship it is. And he even made a movie about it called Kelly's Hollywood. And it was so much fun to speak with him. And, you know, I felt really honored that he, you know, agreed to come on our show and to share his story. And I know a lot of the moms that were at the retreat last year, I think they'll really enjoy hearing him speak again. Okay, so that's a special episode coming up in a couple of weeks. Listen for more details on our next show. Just take us out of this one. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom Podcast, and I would love to hear from you.
what things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and Down syndrome. How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and let us know what's going on in your life. Also, please don't forget to subscribe. You can also leave us a message on our website or on our T21Mom Facebook page. And if you have any stories or ideas or things you want to talk about on the show, let us know. Keep loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye, Ron.